Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Easter. We're so glad you decided to uh, worship with us this morning. Uh, my name is Alex Barrett, and I am the lead pastor here at Ridgeview. And I just want to, uh, if you've never met me, just kind of introduce a little bit of me and, and my family. I've been married to my wife, uh, Samantha, for uh, 20 years this coming uh, June. Here's a, a picture of us. Uh, this is a few years ago. We started Ridgeview Church in 2018, uh, the, the fall of 2018, so we're relatively a new church, and that's when we just got started, and our kids get older, and the adults don't. It's like amazing how that happens, um, but that's us from this past uh, Christmas, and uh, as a church, one of the things that we want to do, like, like Joel mentioned, is uh, we're here uh, to be a light in the community, and as we celebrate Easter, um, I know if you're like me, sometimes uh, you can get uh, dressed up and uh, ready and put on your, your best face, uh, but even in the middle of all that, what God wants to do is beyond the things on the outside, sometimes the things that are maybe superficial, uh, he wants to actually speak to us uh, with what's really going on. And so that's my prayer and my hope for our time together is that we would really hear God speak to us directly, and I, I believe that he does. And we're starting a new series. If you look at that slide called uh, Beginning Again, if you can go back to that uh, opening slide, and you'll see it on the program. I, I believe this is kind of an accurate picture of what we can face a lot in life. Um, this is a stark difference. You see, part of this person is in the cemetery. Uh, the cemetery represents death and darkness and hopelessness a lot. Uh, but this person is also like reaching uh, to come out of it where there's light, where there's maybe some purpose and, and hope. And it's very easy to get stuck uh, here. And the, the goal is, 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 obviously we don't wanna stay here, but how do we in the middle of feeling this feeling like we're stuck or feeling like sometimes life feels like it's in the cemetery. How do we, we get past it? And, and that's what God does. Wherever that we are, whatever that we're facing or whatever we've done, uh, he meets us right where we are. And so the good news uh, for all of us is no matter uh, where you are, he, he does want to meet you. And uh, I kind of hearken like celebrations, especially like um, religious celebrations. Like you, you always want to put on your, your nicest clothes. Um, if you see me this jacket, like I do own a jacket, and you'll see it twice a year at Easter and Christmas, right? And then I put it back in the closet. We're pretty casual here at Ridgeview, but for Easter, it's like you, you get dolled up a little bit. What's interesting, though, is how many of you kind of miss, like, the Zoom meeting approach to wardrobes where you just have to worry about, like, half of yourself? Like, I just get my hair done, and I wear a nice shirt, but I can wear sweatpants and slippers. Come on, you guys act like you don't know what I'm talking about. But two years ago, we weren't that far off, and just even more recently, where, you know, you can kind of fake it on Zoom and make, you know, I'm here, I'm up, and you just crawled out of bed, and you just have a nice shirt on, and you just keep that camera as high as possible. And life can be like that, too. Uh, you may have not been to church in a long time, or you may be here, and it just feels like, I just, I don't quite know how to fit. I don't quite know how to make sure I, I look the part. Uh, but you don't have to look the part. And it's easy to get, again, cut, like caught on the, the superficial things, but... Uh, you don't have to fake it. God, God's here, and, and he wants to speak to you. And so today, I want to highlight some things that could be sobering, could be hard, could be uh, difficult, but I want to start with like us looking in at our own life, because one of the worst things I think I could do as a pastor is just talk at you the whole time, and you leave, and it, and it means nothing. Now, the good news is I don't have the power in my own words. God is the one God is the one who speaks, because I said that. 
It's like God is the one. And God, he's like, in any moment, you may not be able to hear me. And that's true. But God still speaks even besides that. So what I want to do is just go a little bit of a diagnostic and talk about maybe some things that, that you're facing. So uh, I'm going to ask you five questions so you can have a maximum score of five. And you can choose whether you want that score or not. Okay? So uh, each one of these is worth a point. Are you losing sleep because you're anxious? Okay, first question. Are you losing sleep? Just diagnostic. Are you losing sleep because you're anxious? One point. Are you in continual conflict with family and those close to you? That's two. Okay? So far, if you're at zero, you're like, yes, I love this test. And number three, do you feel stuck? Number four, do you, feel, uh, do you battle discouragement and depression regularly? Is that just something that you're dealing with in your life? That's number four. And then number five, uh, do you fear uh, the future? So if you were to tally, and the good news is you don't have to share this test, but if you were to tally your own score on a scale of zero to five, you know, where, where are you? What are you, what are you facing in, in your life? What are the things that are overwhelming you? Now, the things with questions like this, uh, you could be feeling really good if you're a zero today, but sometimes tomorrow you can go from zero to three really quick. And so what are these areas? Now, specifically, to kind of pinpoint it a little bit further, what are maybe the specific areas in which you feel this? And so uh, let's look at some of those. Where do you need a do-over or to begin again the most? Is it in your relationships? Is it in your work? Is it in your, your finances? Is it dealing with your, your past, your shame, the regret that you face in your decision-making? And then my favorite, all of the above. Like a multiple choice, you always look for that, just all of it. And again, there may be different areas of your life where you're feeling the pressure and you want to do over. And I think all of us long for that. How do we move forward despite, it sometimes feels like we're in a swamp of life where we're just like walking and we're like knee high in mud and it's hard to make progress. Like we, we long for a do over. We long for things to get right in this, but again, we can just struggle and we can't make progress. And so over the course of the series, what we're going to begin with today, we're going to unfold in the next six weeks. And so I invite you back, and I want to just kind of do an overview of where we're headed, okay? Uh, today, we're talking about the starting point. Wherever you are in your life, where do you need to start? That's where we want to start, right? At the beginning, okay? So that's the starting point we're going to talk about today. Uh, next week, building on the rubble. How do we begin again or do over when it feels like we're just building on a foundation where it's just kind of all torn apart? So that's how do we move beyond our past and our regrets. So that's next week at the park at, at 10. We hope you can join us for that. Uh, the week after that, May 1st, is talking about how do we begin again in our thinking and our decision-making. Do you ever just find yourself saying, I keep making the same mistakes over again? And the problem with that, if you keep making the same mistakes over again, you tend to just keep doing it because you keep doing it, and it's a cycle. Well, how do you begin again, even in your own thinking, and that's part of the problem with our thoughts, right? Because they're our own. We own our thoughts. But what if they're not right? What do we do? So we're gonna talk about that. May 8th on Mother's Day, we're gonna talk about restoration. Um, how do we begin again in our relationships? Even despite the past and some of the things that are a little bit bumpy. The week after that, May 15th, uh, under new management, how do we begin again in our finances? That's what I keep asking each month. How do I begin again with the gas prices? Anyone? Like, we just need to walk everywhere we go. But it's like finances just with where we're at in the economy. It's like, it's hard. 
It's like, how do you keep getting ahead? You can find yourself in debt and all sorts of issues. We'll talk about that May 15th. And then May 22nd, we're, we're gonna talk about how do you begin again and get beyond the dread of work. We spend a lot of time at work. We give a lot of energy to work. Work can really define us, give us an identity. But what do we do when it's just dread? And it just kind of seeps into every aspect of life. So any of these relate to you and what you're facing? We hope. The good news is the Bible speaks to this. The Bible is very specific. And so what I want to do today is start at the starting point, but I want to just share a little bit of an assumption and a little bit of a background and context so it will help you. Um, the, The reality is here at Ridgeview, we see God's word as authoritative. That means it can speak to us in life. So we speak often about life because it can speak to us. And not only that, we think that we can get um, our, our, our reference point. Like it, it guides us forward. Uh, we kind of bend to it. We don't want it to bend to us. It speaks into us. It guides us. It's the truth. And so what I'm speaking about today is coming from this place where we look at God's word as it, it, it's the help that we need. Now, you may not be at that point where you trust in God or you trust that his word can actually help you. You may have read it. You may have tried to read a book that you can't even pronounce. And it's confusing and it's outdated and it can seem like it doesn't apply to your life. But the good news with God is he's gracious and he speaks to us through his word. He gives us help. He guides us. Not always what we want to hear, but we need to hear it. And then as we begin to put some of it into practice, what we find is it actually speaks to us. And as we read into it, it reads into us. And it shows us what's really going on. So no matter where you are, I would just ask that you consider if this was true and God's word really is what it says it is and it speaks to what I'm facing, how would that make a difference in what I do? And if you can begin there, God could actually speak to you. And I don't know how specifically in your life with what you're facing, but he will. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna really bring us down low to start. You guys good with that? You ready to be depressed? Are you guys awake? That's the first question. Are are we even awake here? But here's the thing. All of us uh, in our world and what we're facing, we see the chaos, right? It's chaotic. You get on social media, you're not on there for long, and you're frustrated. You're dealing with people at your work, and just there's always problems. Wherever we face, we can't get ahead. And what we find is when we tune into the news, social media, what the culture tells us is the chaos, just more chaos, more chaos. Why? Because chaos sells. It causes us to worry. And with that worry, it gets our attention. As it gets our attention, we focus on it. And as we focus on it, we get more and more pulled into the chaos. Am I describing what you experience? That's our world in which we live. So our world is really good at making sure we know it's chaotic. And it's really good at letting us know the problems, but it doesn't actually help us with what we do and how we move forward. So today, we're going to kind of go low. We're going to get what this is, the sobering starting point, but we're not going to end there. And we're actually going to dig into why do we celebrate Easter if it is so chaotic and if the world is so damaging? Like, what is there that we can live for? And so we're going to kind of dig in uh, to all of that. So let's start with the sobering starting point, and I'm just going to focus on one scripture, one verse today, and it's this. For the wages of sin is death. I told you, it's sobering. Now you're like, I got up, I got dressed up, I'm here for Easter, and that's what I get. But again, we need to get to the core of what's really 
going on. So what I want to do is I want to highlight kind of word by word the important words of this scripture uh, through an illustration. So let's dig this in. The first word we're going to dig in is, is a wage. Uh, a wage, you'll see this at the bottom, it's something that you earn or it's something that you deserve. How many of you have a job? How many? You have a job? Uh, what would you do at your job if your boss decided not to pay you? You'd volunteer. God bless you, Carol. <laughs> I would quit so quick the boss wouldn't know. Why? Because we've worked for something and we deserve it. We actually have a strong sense as humans of what we deserve, especially if it's owed to us. So if we work for somebody that doesn't pay us, we have a problem. What the Bible is saying is just like you work for a wage, our life has a work. There's something that we do that earns us something. The quality and the substance of our life gives us something. And the Bible doesn't leave us hanging. It it tells us what the wage of our life is. That is, what's the ultimate outcome of our life? Now, it doesn't mean that people can't be noble, and it doesn't mean that people can't be good, but there's a core issue that all of us have, and there's something that we earn as we live our life, and it's the next word, for the wages of sin. It's a little bit cut off here, but sin is an attitude and an action where we want to be our own boss and rebel against God, our maker. So the assumption is God is our maker. That's what the scriptures say. He's our creator. He made you. He made me. He knows you uniquely, exactly how he made you. But as humans, all of us have a problem, which is he's our maker. He made us, but we don't want to follow him. Why? Because we know best. We know best. Now, if you don't agree with that, hang out with two and three-year-olds at a playground with one toy and six kids. What will happen? It will be chaos because everyone deserves that toy. And if you don't give it, I'm gonna smack you over the head because I deserve that. That happens at a young age. Do we teach kids that? No, kids know that. Why? Because of sin. Kids are rebels just like we're rebels. We want our own thing. As adults, our playground is the freeway. How about that? Any question of sin, just drive the 15 North on a holiday weekend, right? All of our wills come together, and who's going to win? I know you're going to emerge, but this is my lane. And that kind of represents what's going on in us. So sin, is it's, it's an attitude. We know best. We want to lead our own life. That's supported by culture. He tells you, you live your own. You're your, your own boss. You do what you want to do. But at the core of that is a defiance from our maker. And what's the middle letter of sin? I. At the core of sin is, is I, it's me. I've gone my own way. I've rebelled. I do what I want on my own terms according to the timing that I think is best. And so we're all rebels. And because of that, it leads to an effect. So the wages, our life's work, is sin. And that sin leads to death. Now you'll notice God is our maker, but what does sin do? Sin ultimately separates us from him. In the scripture, death actually means separation. When you think of death, it's usually darkness, it's bleak, it's the end. But it's actually a separation. 
where now we are disconnected and cut off from the one who made us, from the one who gives us what we long for. We, we can't receive that anymore because we're, we're cut off. And that separation is physical death and it's a spiritual death. If you've ever wondered why the world is like it is, it's because of sin. You see the conflicts in our world, what's going on right now, even as wars are raging and it's, the tension is rising, at the core of that is sin. You get in a conflict with your spouse and you're mad at each other, you don't wanna to speak to each other, at the, conflict, or at the core of that is what? Sin, brokenness, sin. Even our world is broken and that's why we face the things that we face like terrible things like disease. The world is broken because of sin, every part of it. And we're infected with the same thing, sin, all of us. And it leads ultimately to this separation from God. Now, it's that physical death in that we, our life doesn't go on forever. We, we die, and we slow down, and we age, and life begins to unravel. But it's more than just the physical death. It's also spiritual in nature. God made us as eternal beings, like we go on forever. So death doesn't mean your life's over. It just means there's an eternity now where you are disconnected from God. And that's why it's so sober. Because if that's real, and we're disconnected from the one who made us, we experience this. And you'll see in the middle of the canyon here, life disconnected from God is a life without purpose, meaning, direction, freedom, and significance. Now, how many of those words appeal to you? On the count of three, we're gonna do a little experiment. You guys ready? Okay, on the count of three, you're gonna yell out which word is most appealing to you. Now, don't say without or life. The one's under, okay. You'll always have that, without! Silence, right? No, but on the count of three, uh, purpose, meaning, direction, freedom, and singing. Yell out which one is the most important to you. You ready? One, two, three. Freedom. Okay. I got every single one of those. I heard them all. But we all have one, one that, that really appeals to us. But the wage of our sin from what we've done, the very thing that we want, and we all have one, but we probably all want all of them, uh, we can't have. This is the human existence. Longing for purpose, meaning, significance, and direction, and not finding it. Longing to have a purpose like we're connected to God, but being disconnected from God, we can't have it. Every single person on the face of the earth faces the same thing. The playing field is, is level. We all experience it. No matter what country you're in, no matter what your background, no matter what your ethnicity, we all experience the same thing. And it's discouraging. But if you go back to the slide uh, without the middle there, but we, we want that thing so much. We want the meaning. We want the purpose. We, we may not want to disconnect or we may not want to connect to God, but we want to get past this canyon because we all look at the edge of the canyon. It's like, I don't want to be there. And so we try to build our ladders or we build our steps try to move forward. So I was just thinking, what, what are some ways that we try to bridge this separation? Well, one of the things is like, I just need to be a good person. I just need to be a good person. I just need to stack up enough things that I'm doing good 
and I'm just kind of building a little step. Like I, I, did, I was kind to my neighbor, and that's one step on this rung of this bridge that can get me across the canyon. And then, you know, I'm, I'm at least uh, loving people. Like I'm trying to love them, and I'm trying to be good. And, I, and I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm trying to work hard. And we keep like building these little steps on these bridge to get us across this canyon. But if you go back to that word that's circled, for the wages of sin is what? What is it? Death. That's very interesting because if you think what I can do to get significance and what I can do to get meaning and to get direction, the question is, how much of that can you get if you are dead? If this is true and this is real, it kind of defines how humans, we spin our wheels a lot and don't get anywhere. Why? Because we're dead people trying to build something and you can't build it. You can't crawl across, you're dead. You can't walk across because you're dead. You're dead spiritually. You're looking over the canyon and you can't get to God. Now, any Princess Bride fans? Anyone? Have we seen that? Okay. Some of you are like, I have never heard of this. And then I'm gonna show a picture up here and you'll be like, I don't know if I want to now, but this, this is funny from the movie. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Mostly dead is slightly alive. If you've never seen it, you're like, what is he talking about? So now you might have to go see it. But there's a guy that comes in and he's like, he's not, he's not dead, he's mostly dead. And it's funny, it's a funny moment that if you didn't see it, you had to be there, right? But this doesn't exist in life. You're, you're either dead or you're not. Now, we're talking spiritually, and that's what can be so confusing because we're alive here, but inside, we're dead. We, we feel the void. We experience it. And what the Scriptures say, and this is really important, the Scripture says this. If you go back to, I think there's a slide before that. I'll tell you, and then you can put it up there. Uh, we don't need uh, reformation. We need resuscitation. What that means is when you're dead, you don't need to tweak things in your life. You don't need to maybe improve or read a self-help book. You don't need to just work on this area to get better. No, you're, you're dead. You need new life. You need to be brought back. You're flatlined. You're all dead. And so you, you can't have little reforms here or there. You need a brand new life. And the good news is the scripture and God diagnoses the problem that we all have, sin, from our, the work of our life, which leads to separation, which leads to death, but it doesn't end there. And this is what we celebrate at Easter. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but Christ came and now the sentence continues. Let's read it together. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That word, but, is such an important word. If you go back to the illustration there, there is hope. If this is all we have and there's a canyon, we need hope. And that word signifies that. And what's the hope? Well, we've been given a gift. Now, this is what's really interesting. Uh, a wage is what you earn, right? 
Do you earn a gift? No. If somebody's giving you a gift, they're giving it freely. And what you'll see at the bottom is a gift is given because you love someone and not because of what they do. You, you want to give them a gift out of love? You want to bless them? So here's where we can see our problem and then the hope beginning to unfold. What we've earned is separation. And we can't build the bridge because we're dead. But what God has given is a gift, something that we can't earn. There's nothing that you can do that can earn it. So this gift, what's the next word? It's from who? God. The one that we're disconnected from in our sin, out of his love, he bridges to us. And he gives us a gift that we cannot earn. We can't not try hard enough to get it. We, we get it. It's a free gift. God gave it to us out of his love. He's the giver of the gift. And he does that freely. The next says, but the gift of God is what? When you open the package of this gift, it's eternal life forever. Remember, we're, we're eternal people. God made us that way. So it's eternal death or eternal life. Eternal death is, is hell, separation from God forever. But eternal life is the gift that he gives to us freely, not because of what we've done. Why? Because we're dead. We can't earn it. But it's his gift out of his love for us. And where's this gift found? The scriptures say it's found in Christ Jesus. And see, you can see the picture here if you go to the next slide there. It's a life now, the very things that we want, the gift that God gives us is now a life filled with the things that we've not been able to have, purpose and meaning, direction, freedom, and significance. In this life, we get a taste of that. Life still is hard. There's still problems because the world is still broken, and so are we. But we begin to get a little taste of heaven when you decide to follow Jesus it's like an umbilical cord that's connected to eternity. Get a little taste of that. And then notice who gives it. God, eternal life, in Christ Jesus. And see the picture, the bridge. The canyon is filled with the cross of Christ. Because the wages of sin is what? And Christ died for me, and he died for you. Because we're dead, we couldn't do it. But he sent his son, who was completely perfect in every way, to die for us, for our sin, for our rebellion. If you think of that, we're this people that want to go our own way on our own terms. We created the canyon because of our sin. We're completely separated. But God, out of his love, says, you know what? You've rebelled against me. You've defied me. I've done everything for you. I've made you. I've given you purpose. But you know what? I love you so much. I will rescue you. And I'll send my son so you could connect back with me. That's what we celebrate in Easter. For the wages of sin, my sin, your sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. 
The bridge is complete, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done. Check out this verse in 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ died for sins once for all. If we recognize that sin is a real problem in you and in me and in our world, this statement can't be overstated. But if you don't think it's real or you don't think there's problems, then it means nothing. But the truth is, if Christ died for sins once for all, the payment has been made and it's good forever. There's no expiration. It's, it's, it's good. It's been paid in full. And then it says the righteous. The righteous is not us because we're not righteous, right? We're sinners. So the righteous is Christ, the righteous one for the unrighteous us. So he came and died for sins once for all, the righteous one for the unrighteous and to what? To bring you to God. That's amazing. The things that we've been looking for our whole life because God made us in his image. He made us to connect with him. But the things that we've been looking for our whole life because we're disconnected, we can find because Jesus bridged us back. Back to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the spirit. And that's the picture of the cross. He died and it was real. It happened in real time. Why was that necessary? Because the wages of sin is death. What the scriptures say, he took on that death for us. He was the substitute sacrifice for us. No one in the history of the world has done what Jesus has done. But it didn't end there because he died and he was buried and then he rose again. So he was literally put to death in the body, but then he rose again and he conquered sin once and for all. That wage was paid for in full. I don't know about you, but this kind of warrants a response. If this is true and this is real, then the question is then, what do we do about it? What do we do do about it? And it has to speak into the things that we see in our world and the things that we see in the mirror as we face our life. If this is real and this is true, does this change the way we see things? Well, it should. And so the next step from here is two words, confession and surrender. So I've said a lot. Some of this may be new to you. Some of this you may be hearing for the first time. But it's easy like, just to take in information. We, we take in so much information in this world. And with technology, it's like there's no shortage of information. You're just with cell phones, information every second of every day. But some information can lead to transformation, like it could change your life. And the two words, confession and surrender, means that there's a response that's needed. And the response is either you agree or you don't, or you're not sure. But if you agree, and there's something to this that speaks to you, like there, there's something to this because of what I experience. With God's word, it, it, it seems true. Um, this can be highlighted in three letters, A, B, and C. This is the response. The first, the A, acknowledge that you are a sinner. I don't know about you. It's hard to admit that. Because again, we want to put our best face forward. We want to look the part. 
But if you want to know if you're stuck here, just ask your family. Am I a sinner? I was ready to answer that before you even asked the question. Yes, you are. We all know. It's like we, but the acknowledgement is, is not just recognizing that we messed up, but that we have a problem. Because what do you do about sin? If it's real, what do you do about it? So acknowledging that you're a sinner isn't more than I just, I messed up, but I've messed up and something's gotta be done. And that leads to the B. Believe that Jesus died for your sin. So I have a problem, something needs to be done. The B is, I believe that Jesus has done what is needed. He came to die, to pay for what I have done and for what you have done. So both of those, that's what it means to be a a Christ follower. I acknowledge that I have a problem. I'm a sinner. I'm disconnected from God. But I believe Jesus did what he said. He came to pay the penalty for that sin for which I owe. And then it leads to the C. I have to confess that, that he's my Lord. Uh, Lord in the scripture, it literally means like boss. So your boss kind of calls the shots for your life, especially at work. When Jesus is your boss, he wants to call the shots for every aspect of your life. And he guides us through his word. So what the scriptures say is, when you say he's my Lord, you're saying like, I wanna do what the Bible says. I wanna do it in God's way. If there's anything that he points out in my life that he's willing to change, that he wants me to change, I'm willing to do it. That's how you know you're ready. That's that confession. He's my Lord and boss. I will change what he says. And he's my savior. He saved me from the penalty of my sin. So A, B, and C, acknowledge, believe, and confess. These three things are why we celebrate Easter. And why this is one of the most important days of the year to remember. Now, we have to remember this every day, but we have to stop and pause and say, if this is true, I really have a problem. But Christ came, and I can begin again, and I can have a do-over. You can only experience that if you're made alive again. Because you can't fix your life without Christ. Why? Because you're dead. Can't fix your problems without Jesus. Why? Because you're dead. There is nothing you can do. But if you begin to search and realize and wrestle that Jesus is who he said he is, it will change your life. And you can have a do-over because what was once dead is made alive. And that's why we celebrate. So I wanna end with some next steps as the band uh, comes up. Again, this, this warrants a response from, from all of us. Uh, the first next step, uh, contact me about uh, following Jesus. If you've never decided to follow Christ, if you've never acknowledged your sin and put your, your faith in Christ, like he's the payment, he's who I trust, uh, you, you can do that today. Um, on your connection card, you can mark that. And then on the online connection card, you just put following Jesus. I encourage you, fill out that connection card because that, that helps us get resources to you. But if you've never decided to follow Christ and you're looking at your own payment for your sin, you have to ask the question, is, is, is my payment in full or do I, do I need Christ? And so uh, let us know. We'd love to follow up with you. 
and help you make that decision. And then uh, last is to attend Ridgeview at the Park next week. Next week, we're talking about how to build on the rubble. So if you're facing the rubble and you're looking at the foundation of your life, come back next week. We're gonna be at the park. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Service, we have one service usually, it's 10 o'clock. So next week, don't come at 11 unless you just wanna eat. I shouldn't have said that. Some of you are like, that's the best idea I've heard all day. But come, come at 10, okay? Because God wants to speak to you. But building on the road, we, we all need to do that. And so I encourage you, come back next week kind of begin to take some steps to learn more and ask what God wants to do in your life. If I have not met you, I'd love to meet you after the service. I'll be hanging out at the Next Step table. Uh, we're gonna have the Easter egg hunt. And so if you got kiddos, make sure you pick them up from KidZone, take them out there and meet some people that, that you don't know. We're gonna have food. Uh, there's still plenty for you to enjoy. And we're so glad that you've decided uh, to join us. And so we're gonna receive our offering in a moment. We're gonna sing a song back to God as we celebrate this reality. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who did for us what we could not do. We thank you that you pursued us, that you initiated, that you sent your son to die, and that he was raised again so that death would fully and completely be conquered. I ask that you will draw the people that are struggling right now in their life that just feel like they can't get ahead. They feel like they're stuck. They feel like they're dead. God, by your grace, when we acknowledge we're dead and we need help, that's when you can help us. So I just pray against discouragement. I pray against beating ourselves up. But I also pray that we won't stay where we are. God, will you soften our hearts to consider you? If there's any obstacles in our life right now that are hindering us from following you completely, will you show us? And God, when we try to earn your, your favor, will you just remind us that it's by grace and it's a gift that you've given? It's in your name, your precious son, Jesus, we pray, amen.